You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today is Part 5 in our series on Nicholas Meyer as a director, and we're looking at his fifth movie, The Deceivers. And today we're joined by Marcelo Pico of Framed Panda. How's it going, Marcelo? It's going very well. All right. So, so what exactly is Framed Panda? Uh, Frame Panda is a little production company in Austin, Texas. Uh, we do small videos for businesses and short movies, too. And, yeah, I, I try to write some reviews on the website and always on Twitter, just expressing my love of movies. So that's Frame Panda in a nutshell. Cool. And and people can find that at framepanda.com, is that right? Uh, yes, that's the site. All right, cool. How did you come up with the name Framed Panda? Was it from like a story where like a zoo had like a murder and the panda had blood on its hands, but he didn't really do it? No, no we, we need a good logo like that. Cool. It's got an endearing quality and also indicates structure. Right. <laughs> so um, since this is a Star Trek show, we always ask people what their relationship with Star Trek is. And I, I know that yours is, is rather interesting um, from, you know, following you on Twitter and stuff, I know that you're a really big fan of The Wrath of Khan. Is that correct? Good choice. Yes, really, really big. Like like one of your favorite movies? I can't remember how many times I've seen it now. I've seen it many times. And in the past like, two weeks, with the release of uh, the, the new one, the Into Darkness, I saw, I saw Wrath of Khan again, and it cemented it as one of my top movies of all time which uh, surprised me a little bit, but really, it's that's fantastic. That's true. That, that I, can, I can all see. That, that's not weird to me at all. What, what is a bit strange to me, not, not in like a judgmental way, but just as in a really bizarre way, is that up until like last week, you had never seen Search for Spock, right? Right. Oh, I wish I could say and, that. <laughs> and I, I, I figured out why Sort of because I, I had a big um, I got into Star Trek fairly recently a few years ago and I watched uh, a lot of the original series episodes and I got started on the movie series motion picture which was you know it was the motion picture and then I got into Wrath of Khan and I fell right in love and for I guess I just it was a perfect movie in that I I almost didn't want it. I don't want the story to continue, so I sort of stopped myself there. It's like, I know there are others, but I'm, I'm so in love with Wrath of Khan, I, I, that would be just it for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense, especially considering what happens in Search for Spock and how... And considering that that was Nicholas Meyer's damn point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nicholas Meyer didn't do Star Trek Three because of the same reason that you didn't watch Star Trek Three. so... That that is that is really interesting. But now that you've seen Search for Spock, what what do you think about it? Um, I, it's not as because I've heard bad things. I mean, it's not as bad as some people say it is. It's 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 a it's a decent Star Trek movie. Uh, but yeah, the, the the continuation of the Spock storyline, I would have been fine if just they if they let it be. You know, in, in the Wrath of Khan. 
Have you gone on to watch Star Trek four, five, and six, or not? Uh, not yet. Not four. Four is on on the list of my movies to see. I've seen one or two of the Next Generation movies. I just saw First Contact for the first time, uh, like uh, like two weeks ago. So uh, that's like my first foray into Next Generation. So have, and I and, and that one I really liked. Have you seen Star Trek six? Nicholas Meyer's other one. He just said he hasn't. No, he said he hadn't seen all of them. But have you seen Star Trek? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. All right, well, check that one out for sure. It's really, yeah. really good, obviously. All right, well, um, today's movie is The Deceivers, and it was released in 1988. Uh, it stars Pierce Brosnan, and it was written by uh, Michael Hurst, who um, at, at this time, that was his first uh, screenplay, but he has since gone on to write the Elizabeth movies as well as create um, The Tudors, Camelot, and Vikings for TV. And it was produced by Ishmael Merchant of yeah. Merchant Ivory Productions. Um, so just to give you a, a basic synopsis, oh, it was also it was based on a, a 1952 novel by John Masters. Which was sort of based on real events. Mm-hmm, yeah. So just to give a, a brief synopsis, uh, Pierce Brosnan plays a British officer in Victorian India who discovers the Tuggy cult, a band of thieves and murderers who worship the goddess Kali. Um, and they're known as the Deceivers. That's where the title comes from. And he goes undercover to infiltrate the cult in an effort to stop them. So, uh, Marcella, what did you think about the movie? Well, it wasn't what I expected. Uh, yeah, considering it being a Merchant Ivory movie, I didn't expect it to be basically, I was telling somebody else this, uh, it ended up being kind of like a Serpico <laughs> via like a Merchant Ivory movie, which, <laughs> which surprised me of uh, going undercover to, to basically overthrow these, these tuggies. It was interesting at that point. And, and overall, I like, really enjoyed it, actually. What about you, Max? Um, it, is, it is very weird how, how much like, a, like an undercover cop joins a gang and then his loyalty is questioned kind of narrative it is. It's, that, was, that was odd because knowing the, like, the history of the, the times... I, I I couldn't imagine that this guy would, you know, join this gang, become so one of them, and then go on to lead a, like, Salem-esque hunt to mm -hmm. kill all of them and as many of them as possible. But in a way, it makes sense. I mean, you know, it's psychologically scarring him so that he then has to compensate for the rest of his life. Yeah. I I personally wasn't very impressed by it. Um, I I didn't really buy the character's arc that much, and and I didn't really find the story on the whole to be that compelling. Um, I did think it was interesting, you know, looking at it in terms of Meyer's other work. How uh, photographically it, it was very um, different from his other movies. He he used the camera, I, I think, in in ways that he had never done before, and and I was actually very impressed by that. Um, and I also thought that Pierce Brosnan's performance was really good. But um, on the whole, I think it's one of Meyer's lesser works. So, Sure. Uh, yeah. It, but it's still, it's still better than most Merchant Ivory movies. I mean, that could be. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that is weird. Come that, on. That it's, that it's a Merchant Slack. I, I mean, that, that's true. And, and, and it's weird that it's a Merchant Ivory movie. I, I don't know. Like, yes, it's very weird. <laughs> I, I, yeah. For one thing, it's weird that 
Ivory didn't direct it. You know, I, I wasn't really aware of that, you know, mm. that, that that stuff was happening. But also, you know, yeah, just the idea that, like, they'd bring in someone like Nicholas Meyer, you know, like they'd watch, like, volunteers in the day after or whatever, time after time, and be like, this is our guy. But if you, if you, if you, you know, watch interviews with him or, like, read anything from him, he uses history constantly in everything. He's sort of... That's true. He's as obsessed with periods as merchant ivory productions in general. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense if, you know, somebody from the production company met Nicholas Meyer and they were like, you know that story, that weird undercover cop, but he's, you know, working for the East India Trading Company? What if he, this guy got it because he knows everything about the past. He's working on a <laughs> book where a guy steals rubber trees. That's true. the 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 rubber tree. It's book. exactly like this. Yeah. What, what What was What was the name of the book? Black Orchid. Black Orchid. Yeah. Which was a novel that uh, Meyer wrote. Uh, I guess like six years prior to this, or more than that. I Indiana think. Indiana Jones and the Rubber Tree Plant. Exactly. And it it was very similar to this. It involved you mm -hmm. know like a uh, you know colonists coming in and and taking over. Yeah. I mean it's 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 strange how similar that it was. And it was also you know a fictionalization of you know like to me anyway obscure events that occurred you know in the 1800s so i guess that's his thing and he's a really big fan of the 1800s what with the sherlock holmes and everything well i mean it's a it's a really well documented era uh -huh. i mean it's it's harder to do a story set in the 1400s because you've true. only got like you know like weird smattering constellation of data Whereas the 1800s was fairly well documented even though it is definitely a meyer movie it does feel like I mean, I know this is going to sound weird because it's exactly what it is, but it feels like what a Meyer movie would be if it was produced by Merchant Ivory. You know what I mean? No, that's it, crazy. <laughs> what you're saying makes no sense. Okay. I'm just saying, like, and, and this is something which I didn't know, was that the original goal of uh, Merchant Ivory Productions was to make English-language movies set in India. Mm -hmm. But they're they're not really known for that now. They're known for, like you know, movies that take place in, you know... Period pieces. Edwardian, yeah. you know, England. But, like, almost invariably... With Anthony Hopkins in another and country. Emma Thompson. I mean, I guess so. I mean, it's almost always in another country. It's, it's you know, I, I, this, like, I can think of one that wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, but in some ways this is a lot more... Like in keeping with their original and ivory, yeah, merchanty especially is it's a lot more in keeping with their original goal than the stuff that they're known for. So that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, f from what uh, Meyer says in his book, working with Merchant Ivory wasn't exactly the the most pleasant experience in the world because Merchant was essentially absent throughout the entire production. Yeah. He was in his office. He was a producer. In the same way that, uh, you know, I imagine George Lucas was a producer on, on the Star Wars sequels where he, he was sort of managing from afar. and But at the same time, did a lot of work before you even arrived. Right, yeah. Whereas I don't know if Merchant so much did that. That I don't know. But he also talked about how, you know, there were lots of times where, you know, getting getting merchant to pay the bills was was a bit of a an effort but you know in the end it all worked out there was also a whole big dispute sounded like basically a labor dispute um with uh 
going on. With like the on. locals? Thing? Yeah, with the locals. And they, they would constantly try to interrupt the, the production. They would parade through, you know, while they were shooting. They would steal. That is shockingly common. Key components from, from the equipment and, and I whatnot. remember him saying in the book something like some guys, some of the locals, were, were really well, bags. <laughs> but the people I was working with were super great. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what he says. He's he was he was constantly impressed by the crew. But well, as far as the uh the history behind the the story is concerned, you know, this is something which did happen to 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 some extent. I mean, the the characters are fictional, but um the Tuggies were um a real life uh that's debatable. A group of something, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a significant like modern debate as to whether or not the, the thuggies were a real thing. Or, or if it was just something created by you know the British in order to try to control the... It doesn't need to be con- created by the British because the colonial atmosphere, the colonial mindset was that these people are primitive wackos. And if there's a gang of killers out there... You will uh, you will you will assume that they have some sort of like guiding ideology when it seems plausible, if not more likely than anything else, that they were just gangs. I mean that could be too. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't know. The, uh, apparently, that, the history is that a lot of those guys had no affiliation with Kali. They were not particularly religious people. They just were in the gang because it was profitable. Mm-hmm. Well, Tuggy is the Hindu word for thief. Mm-hmm. And these guys, according to at least the way it's written, is uh, these guys operated primarily from like 1740 to 1840. And in that time, they are estimated to have killed one million people. Um, and basically, you know, they would go befriend some people, be like, hey, you know, at the same time, this is great. At the same time, lumping them all into that one thing is, is, is erroneous is because probably, they yeah. were bajillions of individuals, right? A whole bunch of little gangs. Mm-hmm. One random killer who you know who, who strangles a dude and takes his money. People would say that that was a thuggy attack mm-hmm. when it was really just a mugger, right? So in 1830, the British military uh, basically wanted to wipe him out. You know, I mean, even in the movie, I think they use the word eradicate. Which is well, I think at this time. Harsh. I think at this time they're not technically British military. Technically, they're they're private industry. No, I think it was the British military. But it's the East India Company, which has British military protection. But they're not like technically they're company officers. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm just reading what I or saying what I read on Wikipedia, and you know, Wikipedia is <laughs> never okay. wrong about anything. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they tried to wipe them out and the effort was led by this guy named William Henry Sleeman, who was the basis for Pierce Brosnan's character, you know, William, I think his name is William Savage in the movie, right? I don't know if he went undercover or any of that stuff, but, you know, he was sort of like the guy. Sleeman, there's another interesting fact about him. He was the first person to discover dinosaur fossils in Asia. I did not know that. That he did that like a couple years before he started uh, killing tuggies. So that's like, I mean, I'm thinking prequel, right? I mean, did you guys know anything about? I mean, like Marcelo, did you know anything about uh, the the tuggies prior to this, or 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 not? Oh, I, I, I knew yeah. nothing. I knew I knew very little. Um, to say that this movie is is informative of the of the period after. 
you know, all, all that you said, like uh, the movie doesn't portray that. The movie just says like they're they just do they do these ritualistic murders and they have to all, all be wiped out. It sort of skews to you know pro English, uh, I guess um, stereotypes. If that makes sense, I mean, um, I feel like I should read more about the, the Tuggies and sort of not based all my knowledge of them on just this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no, you true. can throw a Temple of Doom in there. Yeah, I was that rounds say, it out nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Temple of Doom, and you know, I was reading about that, like, because, uh, like, I thought the whole controversy behind Temple of Doom was that they made this stuff up, and I mean, obviously, like the portrayal. No, the problem is that they they were going with a narrative that was, in a lot of people's minds, made up. Wait, okay, I mean, that's the problem that that people had with it because, like, it was. I mean, like, it's a weird sort of racism, mm-hmm. but that's what yeah. it is. It's like, it's like, there are these primitive people. Let's lump them all into one category so that we don't have to think about it anymore. They're in a cult and they yeah, worship exactly. a God of yeah. destruction. And if, you know, if you study Hinduism for four minutes, you see that Kali is much more complicated than the devil. Right. And, and has a, has a lot of positive aspects to her character, but. You know, if you're a you know a Victorian Englishman and you hear like God, goddess of destruction, you're like goddess destruction. Those yeah. are both bad things. Mm-hmm. So you become sort of you you get lumped into a sort of racist category instantly when you start talking about this, and that was the problem people had with Temple of Doom because it was buying into that narrative. The problem is that like there probably were instances of legitimate cult behavior. There's certainly evidence that there was there were at least a few straight up cults, and to fictionalize one and say that they had magical, you know, capabilities because they had supernatural rocks, that doesn't seem that far, mm-hmm. considering that in the previous movie he found the Ark of the Covenant and it was filled with um, supernatural ghosts. Based on what you know, I've read and what this movie you know shows, like even if like that this movie's portrayal of of the thuggies is, you know, based on what. Uh, you know, the the British sort of said they were or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, that doesn't seem to have much to do with what Spielberg was portraying them as in Temple of Doom. You know, well, no, I, mean, I didn't see any like you know. There's a there's a reactionary there's a reactionary component to any sort of like moral outrage when something deals with like race and history yeah. well, and no, especially well, no. and even I genocide. Mean, yeah. So like like people are reacting not so much to like what they saw, but like. They're not representing the positive side of things. They're just they're buying into the negative stereotype, well, yeah. which is, uh, is is a legitimate problem. Well, no, no, I'm I'm not saying that. It's not. I'm just saying like it's it like Temple of Doom's portrayal of the th- it's almost like they took the name mm-hmm. and and Kali and then built their own fake cult out of it. They didn't so much make anything up as they did sort of like blow it up into much larger numbers. I guess like, so, but take, like the saying, whole... Like, slave labor, they, everyone did that. Okay. And, and uh, like, child abduction, yeah, they totally did that. And and to say that they were a legitimate cult, probably. To say that, like, they had magic rocks, probably not. But, I mean, let's say let's say there are magic rocks. Let's say the cult got some. It doesn't seem all that implausible. Speaking of which, magic rocks and whatnot, in this movie, did you guys... There's the whole thing about, you know... Where where the dude tells Pierce Brosnan like don't eat the sugar or else you'll be in Kali's hold or and stuff yeah and then he eats the sugar because he's like screw this and then he starts you know sort of like becoming 
you know, and then short round hits him with the torch, <laughs> and he comes back, <laughs> yeah. and then he's fine. Do Do you think that uh, the implication there was that uh, there was some sort of supernatural power behind it, or do you think that was just him thinking, like you know, second guessing himself and thinking, like, is this for real? Because I'm kind of freaking out here. Because it, it seems a very non Meyer thing to do. But it, it it really seemed like that was the direction they were going in for a while. What what, what did you think, Marcelo? Yeah, um, I I wasn't sure what to think about those. I mean, going back to Temple of Doom, I mean, that's kind of what I pictured. Like, it's some sort of, I thought it was like some sort of, like, drug that they all took sort of just to sort of get, yeah. get over their... Um, I guess fear, not fear, but uh, sort of like wash away their morals. It's, 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 it's how I took it. I think that the implication is that there's a supernatural component. Yeah, I like, mean, like what, what what you're saying makes sense, but then just thinking about it now, like there's also the whole thing where they cut to like the wife, the wife and, and, the, and other the other wife, wife and they're they're they like having like a connection. Instantly. They both know that one knows that her husband is dead, and the other one knows that her husband is metaphorically dead. Yeah. It's weird. It, it, it's it's because that I mean that's so not Meyer, you know. What? Because there's a supernatural component. Yeah, I don't think that's fundamentally not Meyer. I mean, when when else has he used a supernatural component? I can't think of a single time. Well, the supernatural components. I mean, can, I don't have to. Do I have to bring up Asimov? I mean, it, I mean, it, you can say that any sufficiently te- advanced technology is magic, uh, and so magic being present present in in in, in present day, you know, Earth. Or in you know Victorian Earth, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, like it's unexplained, but it's not—it's not so unreasonable to say that there are unexplained phenomena that we would call supernatural. Okay, I, I mean, perhaps you're right, but that to me seems like something that Meyer wouldn't touch. And, and another thing, which you know, we were talking about the child slave labor and in, in Temple of Doom and stuff like that, and there's a kid in this movie. You know, who's working with the, the, you know, his dad or whatever is, you know, a thuggy. And they're like, oh, we're going to bring you on the hunt. And oh, God, that, oh, I forgot about that kid. Is it just me or was yeah, that, like, like, the creepiest kid in the world? Like, he freaked me out. I I just thought the entire situation was incredibly creepy. <laughs> Not just the kid, because the kid looked like a girl. Yeah, he did. He looked like a girl, and but also like the way that he sort of like all of his like mannerisms and everything was like he was like trying to like seduce the audience. Yeah, and and uh, and 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 the way that all of his lines are eighty yard. I didn't notice that, but oh, maybe I'm getting him confused with the other creepy kid from a movie with Thuggy in it. No, maybe I don't know because that seems to be a weird trend. It was very strange. So, so what did you guys think of Pierce Brosnan in this movie? I, I think the the only other thing that I've seen him in, which which was earlier than this, was John McTiernan's first movie, Nomads. Um, what, what what did you think about him, Marcel? Yeah, I thought he did a a very good job. the The levels of of what interested me was the, I guess, the absurdity of him going undercover, because I always thought of him as like the whitest person ever, <laughs> <laughs> but he he managed to to play it well so on one level is ridiculous seeing him in that brown makeup but he managed to carry it through <laughs> yeah I, that's something that meyer talks about in his book too like you know the first time he met brosnan he was like 
Wow, your eyes are really, really blue. We're definitely going to have to do something about that. And I think I think the studio wanted like an American or something. I forget who who they said, but they wanted like an American for the role. And Meyer was like, "Okay, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. He's a good choice." <laughs> yeah. And 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 Meyer was like, "Okay, we're already going to have to, you know, play with the idea of you know." Um, a, white a, a guy British guy, makeup, yeah, wearing brown makeup, being taller than everyone else, yeah, and, and somehow blending into the crowd. And it's going to be hard for the audience to to buy that. But then to add another layer on top of it, where you have like a star that the audience knows as American playing a British guy, playing an Indian guy, that's that's not going to work. So he kind of insisted, little Buddha, yeah. So he kind of insisted. Worked on, there. <laughs> I've never seen it. Really? No. That's great. But uh, yeah, I, I think Brosnan definitely worked. Hussein, oh, yeah. Hussein lived in the book. Hussein lived in the book. Yeah. Okay, you, you know you know about the book. I, yeah, I know a little bit about the book. Yeah, I know that the he's son. The one, he's the one who got shot, right? Yeah, uh, he's yeah. the one who got shot off the horse. Yeah. Apparently, the author's son wrote a book where Hussein showed up. A sequel? No, just another book kind set of... set in the near future. Of 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 the of the narrative and and not really a sequel, sequel just same area, and Hussein showed up. So kind of like Han in in Better Tomorrow, and then later in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. No, <laughs> not like that. Okay, all right, if you say so. But uh, well, that's cool because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So there, <laughs> so there could be like a spinoff of this at some point. Yeah, the the Adventures of Hussein. And then there could be a prequel. The Young Adventures of Hussein. Where he meets a young William Savage, maybe played by Daniel Craig, who finds some dinosaur bones. Where, where okay. did you get your, your Kali-infused sugar? <laughs> I don't know. You know, whatever. Apparently, uh, Brosnan and, and Meyer became really good friends during the making of this movie. I guess their two families would hang out quite a bit, you know, while shooting. And... Uh, then um, I can see that Brosnan seems like a like a cool guy. Yeah, everything every every time you know people talk about working with him, they're like, yeah, he's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Super famous, ridiculously handsome, very likable. Yeah, and and not to bring things you know down or whatever, but in the book he also talks about how uh, uh, a few years later the two of them bonded over uh, the fact that both of their wives uh, died. Um, and they, bring it down, and they became even closer friends at that point. So, well, uh, any any final thoughts on um, the Deceivers, Marcelo? Uh, again, I enjoyed it. Uh, I guess almost purely on a on a, on a schlock uh, level, you know, seeing Pierce Brosnan in uh, Indian makeup and the bizarre scenes of him basically playing Serpico in uh, uh, in the nineteen hundreds India. Yeah, uh, it, it it made for an entertaining like a uh, hundred minutes. So, and yeah, I mean, I I guess yeah, they they, they should have been I guess uh, truer to like the history. Not it's very this was very almost TV movie quality in terms of uh, uh of the historical lessons you're supposed to take away from it. So if it were if it were more in depth, I'd say it would be a better movie. But so far, it's just entertaining enough to see basically. Remaking Serpico, so yeah, right. that's how I see it. Hmm. All right, cool, Max. Um, uh, I, I to take it back to the, the you know the Victorian England and India thing. I mean, like I, I've 
I, I've always had an interest in that sort of weird era because uh, I mean it's kind of you know proto Wayland Yutani, and uh, it always interested me to to you know imagine that like India was actually ruled by a company, and that was very interesting. And and I always wondered what that looked like on the ground. On the ground level, what did it look like when a corporation ran a country? And uh, anytime I get to see, you know, like just the aesthetics of what it looked like, it's fascinating. And that I was I was interested in. I was interested in like how that worked. But that kind of ended about ten minutes into the movie, <laughs> and it became a different thing. And at that point, I sort of lost a significant amount of interest. But seeing a really weird take on a guy goes undercover into a bunch of bad guys operation and like learns the ins and outs of, of the system and, and then you know begins the process of taking them down from this point of view i would way rather see a movie this weird than another damn cop joins a gang movie <laughs> yeah on, on that aspect is actually interesting you know yeah having, having this setting yeah. Like I don't I don't really care if like, you know, The Departed is well made. I've seen it before. I've seen it a bunch of times. At least change the way it looks. At least give them weird accents and have a bunch of short guys with beards. At least do that. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about the the Serpico connection until you guys brought it up, but um it does. I was thinking of Departed. Serpico oh, well, feels whatever. a little bit, you know. I mean, whatever that that, that idea, that, that that makes you know total sense. And I, I kind of wish I would have thought about that while watching the movie because I think I probably would have appreciated it more hmm. because I really do like that you know sort of genre bending stuff, you know. And um, uh, that's cool. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder if that was that was in you know. Nicholas Meyer's mind when he was making the movie because it does make a lot of sense. It's interesting that like the book was written before that entire genre of films yeah. was really a thing. Yeah. And that became like its own real crime genre, the undercover cop whose loyalties get questioned by the gang who he's come to appreciate. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, like a thing yeah. now. Now you can like rattle off a list of those movies within, you know, like 30 seconds. And and when it was written, that wasn't really a thing. But the idea that making a movie that exists, you know, after that genre exists, you've got to learn from that. And I think it definitely does like recognize those like those, I guess tropes of that that genre and and deals with them the way they would be dealt with if it was you know company rule India. Mm -hmm. On the whole, you know, like I said, I, I wasn't very impressed with this movie. I think that, you know, what we're seeing, there's kind of like a, I, I, I don't know, there's weird like waves to Meyer's career, you know, like the first three movies that he did, you know, uh, Time After Time, Wrath of Khan, and Day After were all really solid despite being really different movies and then starting with the volunteers and now this it seems like we're getting into a slump I, I haven't watched company business yet but i know that he's not a fan of that movie and i think that coming out of company business then we're into you know star trek six and vendetta i haven't seen vendetta either but he says that that's his best work so it's it's weird it's almost like in the middle of his career he just kind of took a sort of a dive and now he's about to come back up, but I think this is kind of. I think if if in the middle of, of of a filmmaker's dive, they make an incredibly unique guy goes undercover film, mm -hmm. 
you can't really say that that's a slump. I mean, because that not. is so weird and so different that just on the novelty alone, you've got to give some points. I guess so. Well, Marcelo, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, uh, at Framed Panda. Um, I'm there, I guess, a lot of my time. A lot of my hours of the day are spent there. And also, I'm I'm trying my best to bring back my Die Hard uh, campaign, Die Hard for the National Film Registry. Cool, yeah. We really appreciate your work on uh, Die Hard for the National Film Registry. It's you're truly doing the Lord's work. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, be sure to follow um, Marcelo on on Twitter because I don't know. Like every time I see one of his tweets, I, I feel like I'm reading the tweets of a kindred spirit. So, I mean, if you don't like me, then don't follow him. But yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I, you know, I, I'm watching movies vicariously through Marcelo and whatnot. So. And going to the Alamo Draft House vicariously through Marcella, which I'm really jealous of. As always, you can find us at com- commentarytrackstars.com, where we do our other show, or you can find us um, on Twitter at contractstars, or email us at contractstars at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for joining us, Marcelo, and we will be back next week to talk about company business. Dum dum dum.